0: You can see a video version of this episode on our YouTube channel. Don't forget that you can subscribe to this podcast and, if you like what we do, contribute via our Buy Me a Coffee page. It seems like conspiracy theories are everywhere these days, and as the holiday season approaches, many people are dreading interacting with family members who adhere to this one or that one. But fear not. This episode of Conspiracy Clearinghouse is here to give you ammunition to distract from talk of aliens among us or the Illuminati infiltrating the hip-hop music industry. Here we'll give you some of the great joke conspiracy theories of our time, as well as some tools for constructing your very own. Whether it's about coded messages in the movie Back to the Future or the frightening truth behind Doritos brand tortilla chips, you will be well prepared to engage on the battlefield of fringe ideas, safe in the knowledge that what you are saying is total, absolute nonsense. Probably. You leave the world behind and enter a large chamber, filled with boxes and crates as far as the eye can see. Welcome to The Conspiracy Clearinghouse, the podcast that takes a rather skeptical look at conspiracies and mysteries. Each episode will examine various conspiracy theories, most of which are not true, a few of which might be a little bit true, and even a couple that turned out, in fact, to be true. There are known knowns, there are things we know we know, we also know there are known unknowns, that is to say we know there are some things that we do not know, but there are also unknown unknowns. This was the verbal flimflammery employed by Donald Rumsfeld when asked about the lack of connection between Iraq and the September 11, 2001 attacks on the United States. When the reporter asked if this was an unknown unknown, Rumsfeld replied, I'm not going to say which it is. And so began the 21st century, in a confusing shroud of double-talk, spin, and blatant disregard for truth, or even what used to be considered the normal rules of discourse— This would lead to the toppling of a regime, governments of the world-increasing surveillance of all types on everybody, a massive upswing in superstitious and conspiracy thinking, and the election to office of populist candidates who not only don't care about facts or truth, but proudly proclaim their indifference and yet still retain their followings. Some have said we are in a golden age of conspiracy. In June 2020, Anna Merlin wrote on Vice that the conspiracy singularity has arrived. One of the purposes of this podcast has always been to show that, while we sure do seem to have a lot of conspiracies floating around these days, this kind of thinking isn't really that new to the human race. The truth is, there have always been fringe thinkers with their own ideas on how things work. But the widespread spread of the World Wide Web has given these people access to a much larger audience. Without the internet, Time Cube would have remained just this weird thing that this one guy told people he happened to come across, but thanks to the power and reach of the web, he ended up getting invited to speak at universities, unaware that it was all a joke in his audience's minds. Some conspiracy theories develop because of the web, many of which start as jokes or anecdotes. For example, the Finland doesn't exist conspiracy, which was then followed by similar theories that Australia doesn't exist, neither does Melisi Italy, Acre, Brazil, the U.S. state of North Dakota, and the city of Bielefeld. Also, birds aren't real, which is a conspiracy satire that is totally played straight. Think about your life before social media and the web. How many people did you regularly communicate with in any real way, including family and colleagues? 50? Maybe as many as 100? So let's say 100. Out of that 100, probably 3 or 4 of them were just plain jerks, but for some reason you dealt with them anyway. And another 3 or 4 were out there, like out 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 there. We all had that one friend, and maybe an uncle or two, who spouted off about the moon landing being faked or a devious race of subterranean humanoids who use levitation to disturb people while they're doing laundry. And you had to deal with that uncle, who I like to generically just name Uncle Tony, at holidays, and then you didn't have to talk to them again until the holidays rolled around again. And then the rest of the people you interacted with were a mix of normal, whatever that means, and some of them were intelligent, educated, and or funny. If you actually look at your online interactions, you'll find about the same percentages in the same categories, except that now you interact in some way or another with way more people. So, if 4% of the 100 people you used to know were kind of out there, that was just 4 people. But 4% of 10,000 is 400. And if half those 400 are making big noise, arguing, constantly commenting on posts, writing in all caps, it can seem like it's even more, taking up half or even a higher percentage of your online attention span. And while many bemoan the rise of idiocy thanks to social media, and there is plenty of that, usually fraught with misspellings and errors in grammar and punctuation, there's also an amazing amount of creativity out there. It turns out that, yes, there are a lot of people in the world that are easily fooled, rage monsters looking for a cause, muckracking trolls and hashtag online slime mold spores, and yes, just plain idiots and fools. Yet there are also very funny, creative, clear-headed people out there as well. Because, honestly, there are just a lot of people. Period. Some of these online folks spend their time doing some very funny things. Like making up fake conspiracies. Which I will now term fake-spiracies. Hashtag fake-spiracy. And I think that some of these deserve to be shared with a wider audience. And so, as Thanksgiving approaches, and Christmas around the corner after that, the looming thread of Uncle Tony's latest take on the Illuminati being infiltrated by Masonic lizards from an alternate dimension, I offer some of these postmodern fake spiracies to you as ammo to fire back into Uncle Tony's confused face, further scrambling his mind because you know you can't win an argument with a true conspiracy theorist. They just keep changing their focus and tactics. So maybe the best way to fight fire is with fire of your own. The very first conspiracy we we'll look at is all about the movie, Back to the Future. The McFly, the McFly Code. Code. Hidden inside this 80s blockbuster are a number of coded messages for those who know how to look. Let the person who has eyes see. In 2014, YouTuber Barely Human 11 posted a video titled BTTF Beta Version, subtitled Back to the Future Predicts 9-11. The first clues are near the beginning of the film. Marty and his girl are in town near the old clock that stopped working 30 years previously when it was struck by lightning, and a woman hands them a flyer about saving the tower because it's historically significant. Over the woman's shoulder across the street, you can see an eye in a pyramid on a shop sign, a symbol of the Freemasons, but which many people mistakenly believe is a symbol of the Illuminati. At the Twin Pines Mall, there's a digital clock, Twin Pines Mall, like the Twin Towers, and that clock reads 1.16 a.m. If you turned that upside down, it would look like 911. In the parking lot, Doc has two digital timepieces, one for him and one for his dog, Einstein, and the time on them is 1.19, which is 9.11 backwards. Then a VW bus filled with angry Libyans show up, who shoot Doc, and Marty escapes in the time machine DeLorean into the past. Angry Libyans. While back in 1955, Marty and Doc team up and try and return Marty to 1985. They know lightning will strike the clock tower at a certain time on a certain day, and they need that burst of energy to power the time machine DeLorean. As they're setting it up, while the storm builds in intensity, Marty shouts to Doc, I have to tell you about the future. The clock reads 9.55 p.m., but the hands on the face point to the 9 and very near the 11. 9.11. When Marty makes the DeLorean vanish again, the camera pans back to show the city street. On the left side of the street is a western auto sign surrounded by a neon arrow that looks like the number 9, and the DeLorean leaves two flaming tire tracks on the street that look like two number 1s. So taken together, it's a glowing 911. He returns to the mall parking lot, but it is now called the Lone Pine Mall, just like there was a single tower at Ground Zero that replaced the now fallen Twin Towers. The digital clock reads 116, which is again 911 if you turn it upside down. Hmm, intriguing, you may say to yourself. Oh, but there's more. In Back to the Future 2, there's a scene where two trees morph into New York's Twin Towers on a large wall TV in the future McFly home in the year 2015, while in the foreground of that shot, there seems to be a replica of the torch the Statue of Liberty holds. The towers slide in from the bottom on the TV, but if you turn the image upside down and remember George McFly in the whole scene is floating around on his ortho-lev rehab device to fix his back, and he's upside down, the towers appear to fall down, not up. This event in the film takes place in October 2015, but in the real-world October 2015, a film was released called The Walk, about French daredevil Philippe Petit's tightrope walk between the two towers back in 1974. And that movie, The Walk, was directed by... Robert Robert Zemeckis, Zemeckis. and Doc, in the first Black to the Future movie, is attaching a thick wire to the clock tower. A wire. And in the October 2015 film The Walk, there's a shot of Joseph Gordon Levitt playing Philippe Petit, standing on the edge of one of the Twin Towers, wearing the exact same clothes Marty McFly is wearing, while standing in the flaming 9-11 on the street in the Back to the Future timeline back in October 2015. Because Petite is McFly in the future. Now, to be fair, the trees that turn into the towers on the TV are poplars, not pines. It could have been sheer coincidence about the Petite McFly clothing, or maybe it was just a sly joke on Zemeckis's part. But Barely Human Eleven has another theory, that Robert Zemeckis is a precog, a person with the ability to foresee the future and that he picked up on the collective energy from all the millions of people who watched the Twin Towers collapse on their TVs back in 2001. This mass psychic energy opened a transtemporal hole and then traveled back in time to when he was writing his fun movie script in the 1980s. There are further echoes that go back to the monolith in 2001, A Space Odyssey, again, 2001, He also notes that the Millennium Hilton Hotel, which is on Church Street between Day and Fulton looking over Ground Zero, very much resembles that monolith from that movie. These are echoes that transcend time and space, not the result of anything consciously intended by Zemeckis, or Kubrick, or even Eli Atia, who's the architect of the Millennium Hotel. Instead, these are people in the past being influenced by the psychic energy of people in their futures. Now, that is awesome stuff. The question is, does Barely Human 11 actually believe all this, or what? A better put together updated version of the video, which dropped in 2015, has a long disclaimer at the beginning that starts by saying the following is a work of mysticism and sophistry. (laughs) Sophistry is using arguments based on mistaken beliefs for the purpose of deceiving the recipient. So that would seem to be a big no on the actually believing it question. A connecting connecting principle 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 linked to to the the invisible. invisible. In fact, Barely Human 11 is actually Joe Alexander, who runs Apophenia Productions, a media company. Apophenia is the human tendency to see patterns or connections where there actually are none. So again, it would seem like it's all sort of a culture-jamming exercise. Alexander has even said that the point of a lot of what he does is to enjoy, quote, moving through the nonsense. He calls himself a subjectivist and greatly dislikes objectivist viewpoints. He is part of the Sync movement, S-Y-N-C, which is short for synchronisticism. This is a new word for a bunch of people who follow or claim to follow synchronicities. Synchronicities are coincidences that have meaning to the people who observe them or to whom they occur. SYNC is about finding, quote, interconnectedness, a correspondence or co-occurrence between inner mental states and outer waking life. This is according to the webpage, What is SYNC on the website, thesyncbook.com. This is all very much in the vein of slaying sacred cows. It's an attempt to embrace ambiguity, to marry a subjective internal world with a perceived external world. They mix a whole bunch of stuff in there from Jung to Aleister Crowley to Robert Anton Wilson and the Discordians, Joseph Campbell, and a healthy dose of psychedelic drugs. There is a book for the movement called The Sync Book, Myths, Magic, Media, and Mindscapes, with essays by 26 authors on what sync is and why they do it. Two of the participants, Douglas Bowles and William Morgan, also host a podcast on the topic called 42 Minutes. Synchromystic artist and experimental filmmaker David Charles Plate made a 7-hour and 39-minute video called Sorry, Cassandra, I Misunderstood. Everything predicts 9-11. There's a copy uploaded on the Internet Archive, but it's so large it's almost impossible to watch. But there is an option there to download an MPEG-4 version, but even that is 19 gigabytes in size, so uh, be warned if you want to try and watch it. So, Barely Human 11, also known as Joe Alexander to his parents, has also done some work showing that the albums of Supertramp predict 9-11 as well. Just take a real close look at the cover of the album Breakfast in America. But the Back to the Future films remain one of his favorite materials to work with, if you will. I mean that fairly literally. He is a sculptor, in a sense, taking bits and themes from the movie and then weaving them into new narratives. It's all very postmodern. He's made other videos showing that the films also have encoded clues about the Roswell UFO crash, nuclear weapons, and contain clues about John F. Kennedy's assassination. And there's one video he made showing lots of hidden Greek mythological symbols encoded into the movies. It's all very interesting and amusing stuff. And it's all presented absolutely deadpan. Another sync trope is that Richard Kelly's weird and wonderful 2001 film Donnie Darko is actually a type of back-to-the-future fan fiction and overlaps at key points with the 1985 box office hit. One main idea behind the sync movement is you can find connections and patterns literally anywhere you choose to look for them because this is what the human mind excels at doing. Now, on the surface, this is taken to be proof that there are hidden structures in the universe. What we can actually say with a fair amount of certainty is that this practice certainly reveals hidden structures inside the human mind. We are pattern recognition machines. It's how we navigate the world. We think our brains and minds simply record the world around us and then we react. But in fact, what we perceive is constantly being manipulated by our pattern seeking and pattern recognizing tendencies. So the sync folks are carrying on the tradition of saying outrageous things with a straight face in order to point to something that's quite profound. What a tangled web web, we 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 weave! Back in April 2020, some folks on Twitter started noticing that the hit 2010 Disney film Tangled seemed to have a bunch of encoded messages about the COVID-19 pandemic. Rapunzel's kingdom is called Corona, she is quarantined away from others, and Mother Gothel references a plague and keeps a magical medicine all for herself. And all of this happens in a film 10 years before COVID-19. Another Disney one that's been floating around for a while is that the film Frozen is all about cryogenics. And of course, there's an old saw that Uncle Walt himself was frozen. For the record, he was not. He was cremated. How to start a CT. Sure, it's easy to craft nonsense that sounds like it might mean something. You can often use real conspiracy theorists' own scribblings just as they are. For example, some time ago, a fellow who went by the name of Woke Warrior on Twitter before they suspended his account, wrote, quote, Science spelled backwards is Ecnix, And Ecnix was a device used by hashtag pagan to summon satin himself, S-A-T-I-N, to brainwash children and turn them into literal sheep exclamation point. These pagans were called Syntasts. Today, scientists use Econyx, science, to brainwash R-A-R-E, kids. Hashtag MAGA, hashtag Flat Earth. Ooh, there's a lot to unpack there. At first glance, it seems like it was maybe supposed to be a parody, but subsequent postings by Woke Warrior and the fact that that Twitter account got suspended suggest otherwise, that he meant it in earnest. I recently came across a video titled, and ready for it, The Delta Terrestrial Harvesting Draco Vril Quote Liquids to Ignite Zero Point panpsychism Parentheses Draco Wars. Well, that's sure a lot of words, so they probably mean something, right? (laughs) As a side note, that video appears on the Generation Z YouTube channel and is sponsored by MTM Clothing. Earlier videos on the same channel, like Camp, Camp X, X Geppetto, garnering cacodemonic annealments to manifest alternate arcanes, (parentheses universe number 25, are sponsored by Black Oxygen Organics, who make questionable dietary supplements to, quote, reduce oxidative stress. Creating a CT with a title like that is certainly going to pique some people's interest and get some clicks. I mean, honestly, I clicked on it. Like the Draco stuff in that first title is probably about lizard people, aliens, zero-point energy, which is often talked about in conjunction with UFOs, and the Vril is an idea of a special liquid that boosts psychic abilities, and that's been around since the late 19th century. So you can kind of decode some of it, and then you feel good about yourself, because now you're in the know, at least to some extent that well, that's sort of preaching to the choir. Your audience is going to be somewhat limited in scope if you're that opaque. If you really want your CT to spread, it needs to be more accessible to those who are not already deeply enmeshed in the conspiracy sphere. Some things floating around out there in the interwebs are simple memes that make you go, hmm, and quite a few are clearly intended humorously like that NASA invented thunderstorms to cover up the sound of ongoing space battles. Or that gays are using windmills to waft homosexual mists into your home. Artist Carolyn Caldwell of Dirt Worship tweeted in February 2021, gender is a scam by the bathroom company to sell more bathrooms. I came across one recently that says the Internet was created as a place to worship cats who were created on Earth way before humans, and all the rest of the content on the web is just there to snare people into looking at cats. And that, of course, then made me think of the 2010 song on the rather good YouTube channel The Internet is Made of Cats. Link in the episode notes. One meme asked you to ponder the following, quote, have you ever really thought about how, when you look at the moon, it's the same moon Shakespeare and Marie Antoinette and Van Gogh and Cleopatra looked at? They all looked at the moon. They're all dead. The moon, the moon is, is killing, killing people. Wake, Wake up, up America. America. Sometimes these fake conspiracies riff on an existing conspiracy theory, like Neil Armstrong was the first person to land on the moon, and Neil A., spelled backwards, is, is alien. alien. This little trope was shared by Elon Musk, among others. Another one says, the earth is flat, so if we just flip it over, it'll be like the cool side of the pillow, and boom, no more global warming. Or that we actually live on the moon, but have been brainwashed into thinking that we live on the earth. It's better to make your CT clean and clear and simple as possible. Having visual elements to stick in people's minds can also help. Referencing things your audience already knows about can also help make the CT sticky. Start with something familiar, even commonplace, and then reveal the big real truth about it. You know those silica gel packs in many food items but also in things like furniture and shoes? Now, Supposedly, these are desiccants, which absorb and hold moisture. All such packets have big letters that say, DO NOT EAT ON THEM. But what if you did actually eat them? Well, if you eat them, you will you wake, wake up, up from, from the, the simulation, simulation we are, are all, all living, living in, in and, and finally, finally see, see the world, the world as, as it really, really, is. really is. Silica gel packets are an actual, real-world red pill. That's a fake conspiracy that's been floating around for a number of years. Now, the problem with something like this is that some people might actually eat them to see if it's correct or not. Well, what will happen to them if they do? Silica gel is chemically inert and cannot be broken down by the body, so it'll probably just pass through your system, no harm, no foul. But sometimes, these little gel bits are covered in a toxic compound called cobalt chloride, which can make people nauseous and even cause vomiting. So, a silica packet eater might get a bit sick and might not. So it's not necessarily all fun and games. Okay, the reason I bring all this up is that food is a major focus for many of us. And there are some great fake-spiracies out there about things we love to put in our mouths. Yummy Yummy in the tummy. tummy. A simple meme floating around out there says, Five Guys Burgers and Fries contains 5G. 5 G eyes. Mm, Think about it. Another says the Joe in Trader Joe's is actually Joseph Stalin, which is why those places feel like a well-run communist state. Very funny, but eh, making memes is chump change. There are some much more complicated things floating around out there. Take Oreo cookies with their bizarrely complicated designs. One meme image says that these are actually Masonic symbols, a Satanic cross, and a Zodiac wheel. The two chocolate sides with a white center is itself a symbol for infinity. Oreo is part of the conspiracy, and they are a sign that we are all trapped in Satan's world forever, ever, ever. Obviously, this one is meant as a joke, and I'd be surprised if anybody is taking it seriously. But even if it wasn't a joke, I would still eat Oreos, Satan or no Satan. Ha ha ha, very amusing, but sometimes a joke gets taken up by folks who do take it very seriously indeed. The Shape shape of of Evil evil. with with sauce. Sauce In May 2021, K-pop sensations BTS teamed up with McDonald's to offer a special limited edition promotional meal, a medium Coke, medium fries, and a 10-piece order of McNuggets, and then either Cajun or Sweet Chili dipping sauce. It sold out right off the bat, but some buyers didn't intend to eat the food. Knowing that BTS is ridiculously popular, they waited and then started auctioning off items from the special meal to crazed BTS fans who have way too much money. Now, you may not have noticed this, but McNuggets come in four shapes. There's a bell, a ball, a boot, and a bone. Now, Mickey D says that last one is a bow tie, but it totally looks like a cartoon bone that you give a cartoon dog. However, one person who bought the BTS McDonald's meal had a bizarrely shaped McNugget. It looked kind of like an oval with two little legs sticking out of it. And just like how stamps and printed books that have errors in them become collector's items, could this little piece of battered flash fried chicken also pull in some serious box, I mean bucks? Well, on May 28th, Poliza, the screen name of the owner of the off-nugget, put it on eBay and waited. Bidding went through the roof over the next few days and the darn thing sold for an astonishing $99,997 for a misshapen McNugget because it was kind of sort of associated with BTS. This profitable piece of poultry had been frozen and air sealed to ensure freshness, but it's hard to imagine that that kind of money was paid just so somebody could eat it. Several commentators said the whole affair simply showed the absurdity of what they call the meme economy. Why the popularity? Partly, yes, because of BTS, but partly because some people said the Nugget looked very much like a character from the online multiplayer game Among Us. Well, that's all very interesting, Mr. DeWitt, but you promised fake spiracies. Hashtag, hashtag fake spiracies. But for one TikTok user who frequently posted QAnon stuff, it was not the shape of the nugget that caught her attention, but the price paid. Because, of course, the nearly $100,000 nugget story had been on multiple news sites, as well as follow-up stories about imposter nuggets floating around there, going for anywhere from $0.69 to $5,000 a pop. Under the name Rule 62, Rule 62, she posted on eBay saying that this was probably child trafficking and shame on eBay for allowing this. This was on July 26th, well after the sale happened, and Rule 62, Rule 62 seems to have joined eBay that very same day, posted this one accusatory post, and then never went back to the forum. The name intrigued me, so I did a little searching around. Rule sixty two is an alcoholics anonymous thing, a rule as part of recovery that says, quote, don't take yourself too damn seriously. So perhaps this was meant as a joke, an absurdity topping to the absurdity Sunday of someone paying a hundred thousand dollars for a vaguely anthropomorphic chicken McNugget. But others in the QAnon sphere took it seriously and suggested that true believers start looking into cases where large sums of money were paid for seemingly innocuous food items, like the 13-year-old girl who posted a TikTok video about an anomalous puffy Dorito in her bag of crunchable snacks and then supposedly got $15,000 from Frito-Lay, or a Cheeto that looked like a dog taking a pee that went for $18,000 in an online auction or a potato chip that looked like, yes, a slice of pizza that sold for $20,000. Of course, the child trafficking disguised as food trope has been around in the QAnon world since 2016 and Pizzagate. It was all pretty solidly debunked by activist Maya Moreno and trafficking hoax debunker Jessica Dean, now there's a job, who uses the screen name Bloodbath and Beyond. TikTok claims that, hey, when a video goes viral, like these weird food is actually proof of child trafficking videos, it's almost impossible for them to take it down, which of course is bunk. Crunch, Crunch all, all you want, want we'll, we'll make, make more. more. But the greatest of all food fake conspiracies is the Doritos conspiracy. Oh no, not the one that showed up on Reddit claiming that the chip covered in delicious dust was invented by the moist towelette industry. And and no, not the one that says Doritos were created by white male executives at Disneyland to drive an LA-based woman named Rebecca Webb Carranza out of business. You see, she seems to have actually invented the mass-manufactured tortilla chip back in 1950 when she founded the El Zarape Tortilla Factory. And no, I'm not referring to the picture of Ted Cruz that some QAnoners thought showed him wearing a Q-pin on his lapel, he's with us, but then closer examination of that picture revealed that the thing on his jacket was in fact a little bit of Dorito crumb from a sloppily munched snack he wolfed down just before the picture was taken. And I'm not even hearkening to the great Lady Doritos kerfuffle that erupted in 2018 when Indra Nuyi, president of PepsiCo, said in an interview on the Freakonomics podcast that said that they were working on a less crunchy, less powdery version of the famous snack just for ladies. Well, the internet went insane about it, and when she tried to explain that it had been a joke, many disbelieved her. Doritos finally had to post on their own Twitter feed, we already have Doritos for women, they're called Doritos, and they're loved by millions. So no, Lady Doritos was never really a thing. Of course, many in a conspiracy-fueled endorphin rush commented that the whole thing had clearly been staged by Doritos as a way to get free publicity. Since the day after that interview aired, the term Lady Doritos was the number one trending term on Twitter. And, of course, it didn't stay in the flavored tortilla chip arena. Rush Limbaugh said the snack company had been taken over by feminazis. wars tried to link the Lady Doritos idea with the non-existent-in-their-minds wage-pay gap. Others saw an insidious trend. Just the week before, Reba McIntyre had been chosen to play the first-ever female Colonel Sanders in a KFC ad, and the conservative fear freaked out asking if the colonel was now transgender and which bathroom would he she use total misogynist toolbox mark dice said things like this were and i quote destroying the human race hyperbole much mark dice i mean shoal dice were plenty more manufactured outrage campaigns as a very good article on the outline puts it and the lady Doritos thing just got added to the steaming pile of snack and fast food infused excrement the hashtag online slime mold likes to roll around in. No, 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 no. As awesome as all that Doritos stuff is, when I talk about the Doritos conspiracy, I am talking about something else. Something epic. Something writer check Wendig posted on Twitter in August 2020. It starts, as so often these things do, with a simple question. "'Whence cometh the name Doritos?' Hmm, Google was no help, nor were his eight-year-old or his dogs. So he wrote to Frito-Lay, the company that makes Doritos, and asked them. The response he got was chilling. Quote, "'No business records survive "'regarding the naming of our popular snack chips. "'They were lost in a mysterious fire. "'Please cease this line of inquiry immediately. "'Do not contact us again, or our hand will be forced. "'Enjoy Doritos.'" Well, Wendig is no wimp, and he is not so easily dissuaded, so he delved into the world of the dark web and uncovered an image of an old Doritos bag from the late 1930s. It included a picture of a flour tortilla with a series of imperfections in it. Upon closer examination of those imperfections, he noticed they seemed to form patterns. So, As he says, like an internet ninja, he Googled reverse image search that thing and discovered that those faint lines actually formed an ancient Sumerian sigil that symbolizes a passage between our world and another world where human souls are bought and sold and sometimes even baked into bread for demons to eat. And that's when the penny dropped. Doritos, dor intos, as in into. into the void. These flavorsome tortilla chips are made of human souls, and that satisfying crunch is the sound of ghost bones breaking. The powder that covers them consists of the dehydrated teeth of deceased sinners." He put this all out there for the public to see, and then Doritos contacted him once again, writing, We told you to leave this alone, but you did not listen. We will, we will see, see you, you soon, soon Walker. <laughs> this, this is on a whole nother level, folks. This madcap invention is one of the greatest things I have ever read anywhere. All on its own, Chuck Wendig's Twitter Doritos tale makes the internet as a whole, warts and all, well worth it. Former journalist Tom Lovett remarked on the original thread that 20 years from now, people will have to be debunking the urban legend that Doritos Top Brass all worship Satan. For the record, Voidwalker or not, Vendig is still with us. And frankly, between you and me, I don't care what they're made of. They're damn delicious, and I'll just keep eating them. I strongly urge you to read the original thread as it is very, very funnily written. Again, link in the episode notes. What's, what's in, a, in name? a name? It's entirely possible that Wendig was inspired by something that had happened earlier. On March 26, 2020, Sage Boggs, a writer for The Tonight Show, shared his story on Twitter about Triscuits. It starts innocently enough. At a party, he just asked someone, what does the name Triscuit mean? All right, we get that there's part of the word biscuit in there, but what's with the try? They're squares, not triangles. So why try? Is it that there are three layers of weedy goodness? So he went to Google, and Google was no help, so he sent a query email to Nabisco, manufacturers of Triscuits. They said the name was just a fun riff on the word biscuit, and that the try did not mean three. Now this caused him to wonder, how could they know what it doesn't mean, but not what it does mean? I mean, right So he did some more Googling, and he found an old ad for Triscuits, which said that they are, quote, baked by electricity, using a process invented in 1903. Aha! The try in Triscuit comes from electricity. So Triscuit means electricity biscuit. He told Bisco his theory, and after some time, they responded saying, after some sleuthing of their own, they said they had to go way up the ladder, they could confirm that he was, in fact, correct. And then they sent him 30 boxes of the salty wheat cracker in various flavors as a reward for solving the 100-year-old mystery. The craziest part of this is, this story seems to actually be 100% true. It's been written about in numerous places, including People Magazine and Yahoo. Yeah, I know, not exactly the Washington Post, but still a far cry from Aliens Want My Ass YouTube channels. It was also in Newsweek and, perhaps most importantly, the story has been verified by Snopes. Again, check the episode notes for links to this tale and also a very funny thread about Triscuits in general on the Current Affairs website. Mix Mix and 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 Match So this holiday season when Uncle Tony starts raving about dolce base and evil coded messages and strangely shaped snack foods, you can counter with one of these fake conspiracies of your own to keep him occupied and distracted. Tell him any of the ones that you've heard in this episode so far. You bring up the whole Trisket thing because that in fact actually turned out to be true and along the way maybe you could teach him how to do some basic online research and how to verify sources. It would be good for him really in the long run. You could also jump on board with an already existing mega fake conspiracy like the screamingly funny Birds Aren't Real thing, which I talked about at length in a previous episode. (coughs) Popular Science has a nice flowchart on the basics of how to successfully spread a conspiracy theory, and The Atlantic has a much more serious article on the same topic. And there are some online conspiracy theory generators you can have hours and hours of fun with. As the old website for Public Eye puts it, these use, quote, a structured combination of a stylistic metaframe of tragic apocalyptic dualism merged with narratives built around the components of demonization and scapegoating. Indeed. That webpage, Public Eye, has two generators on it, one that writes texts about one of four proponents, either the Jews, the Masons, or from the perspective of either the Christian right or the Lyndon LaRouche crowd, and the second one has drop-down menus using the same basic text frame. ConspiracyTheoryGenerator.com simply creates a random one every time you hit the Generate button, like, click, the mafia invented the coronavirus to corner the orange juice market, or click, the television networks was stealing dead babies for gay Martians. Okay, the grammar's a little wonky sometimes, but that just kind of adds conspiracy authenticity. You can even add in your own to be put into the mix. The website Chaotic Shiny has a whole bunch of generators, and their conspiracy one is very simple. You just choose how many conspiracies you want to create, choose modern or medieval, or a mix of the two, and then click the conspiracy button. This pops out some lame ones, but it also pops out some gems like... Lawyers are conspiring with reporters to bankrupt the nation and create Godzilla. Or, Britney Spears is conspiring with elves to open a dark portal. Man, those are good ones. Generators List also has an easy-to-use generator. Choose new conspiracies or existing ones, then how many results you want, and click Submit. And you get things like... Beneath the St. Louis Arch, there is a subset of Turks living with interdimensional life forms, creating zombies. (laughs) That's just great. There's another conspiracy generator on there that's super easy. With just one click, it'll make a whole complicated theory. I tried it, and here's what I got. Marvel Comics is a front for the Jews and run by Donald Rumsfeld, who is secretly a demon summoned by Muhammad Ali. They faked the theory of relativity and keep doors to parallel worlds on a base in the Nevada desert. They use income tax to control us, but we can use the third eye to stop them." That sounds like the basis for a promising book series. There are also Facebook groups you can join just to see how creative some people can be, like Crazy Conspiracy Theories That Might Not Necessarily Be True, another one called A Group Where We All Pretend To Be Conspiracy Theorists and a group where we all pretend to be crazy conspiracy theorists. I don't know if the grammar error there is on purpose or not. Be warned, though, while there are some very funny things in there, there are also some people in those groups who seem to think that these are real conspiracy groups and do not get the joke at all. So no matter what, you now have tons of material for lots and lots and lots of conspiracy fun. Try these fake conspiracies on your friends, your Uncle Tony, social media, or standing on a fruit crate on the street corner shouting to passersby through your cupped, grubby hands. Happy Holidays and have fun. Hashtag Fakespiracy. Thank you for visiting The Conspiracy Clearing house. We're closing now, but we'll open another crate in the next episode. Until then, thank you for listening.